What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here bringing another Productivity Intact podcast. And this week, I have John Knox on the line. John is an iOS developer for Prevent Biometrics, which is a company that I had not heard of until we got onto the conversation. But they are doing something awesome, helping uh, football players and other athletes that have a lot of collisions, helping detect CTE through creating uh, mouthpieces that measure that trauma as it's happening in real time. Um, but we don't get talk too much about that. Uh, if you may remember last week, we talked to Mike Young. Mike was an indie developer, um, or I guess an indie founder, who was creating a startup in the Indianapolis area. Well, Mike went from the tech hub that is Austin, Texas, to a not-so-tech hub of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And you hear that, Minnesota. And he did that... Uh, which is interesting because most people don't, you know, you don't go from tech hub to non-tech hub unless you have to. But he has an interesting story about how he was able to land the job that he landed. And he has also been taking the time uh, because of the story to help other people get jobs through his Twitter account, hire an iOS dev and also helping to share other jobs that are open. And we, we talk for a little bit about what both companies and candidates can do to uh, improve their chances of getting that job offering or hiring the right person for the job. Now, I'm gonna challenge you. If you believe that we say we missed something in this conversation, I wanna know. You can reach out to me on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech and if you do that, I will send you a copy of the after show for free. Normally, you'd have to go to our Ko-Fi page in order to do that, or you'd have to become a member. But if you reach out to me and say, hey, here is another thing that developers or hiring developers can do to land successful job offerings, then I will give that to you for free. I will also want to sit down and talk with you a lot, so be ready for that. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Let's get into the conversation. Here it is with John Knox. I'm here today with John Knox. John, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be here. So John and I met on Twitter a few weeks ago and... We were talking about the idea of of sharing, uh, you know, hiring statuses, and you know, you always see companies on Twitter promoting that they're hiring and looking for people. and And John has an awesome project that he has going on, trying to help get people hired and help reveal some of this information. But in talking, we actually found out how he became so well. I guess, ingrained in that. So without any further ado, I'm going to let John introduce himself, tell us what he does, and then we're going to jump into that conversation about how he actually got into the position that he's into today. So, so John, please let everybody know what you do and what you're all about. Sure. So my main job, my day job, is that I am an iOS developer at a small company, a startup that 
makes software and hardware that measures head impacts. Uh, basically, it's a mouth guard that measures uh, what happens to your head when you're playing football or hockey or some other contact sport. And then that data is transferred uh, by an iPhone app uh, up to the cloud. And uh, also, you can, of course, view the information on the iPad or iPhone in more or less real time. CTE has been kind of a, a big topic, especially in the, the American football world. So to hear that there is not just helmet designers that are measuring these things, but also people measuring it through through mouthpieces and and things like that. That I didn't even know that, that was physically possible. So I, I have a million questions about that, but even in talking, you mentioned like we can't really talk much about it because you're the company is still building the product, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we've uh, we're basically been doing a pilot of the technology and kind of tweaking it and revising the product. And um, yeah, so it's still under development, but it's been a really fun place to work. I've been there uh, since May of 2018. So how do you, I mean, because uh, we, we were talking about this, how do you, like, you know, when Microsoft, you know, they're going to be hiring, they're always hiring, you know, Apple's always hiring, Amazon's always hiring, these, these big tech companies in Washington and San Francisco and New York, they're it's like it's easy to see when they're hiring. Like their their like career page always has like thirty seven entries in it. How do you find the small startup that's working on building a product like Prevent Biometrics? Yeah, so that's a great question, and that kind of ties into uh, one of my side projects, uh, which is mostly concentrated in a Twitter account called Hire an App Dev, uh, which is kind of like career news for iOS developers. So it's, I try to have a bunch of information about um, how to get a job, how to get a raise, how to interview at companies, uh, how to interview other developers. So you make sure you bring somebody good onto your team. Um, all sorts of interesting information like that. And so, yeah, so very recently I had this experience, like you say, of actually trying to find a new job uh, specifically so I can move from Austin, Texas up here to Minneapolis. So you you went from Austin, Texas, which some people can like, I would look at Austin as like a tech hub. And so you went from where there were jobs aplenty to Minneapolis where, I mean, I don't know, are there plenty of tech jobs available there? Like did, was it, did you like literally just pull, you know, pick one out of a hat and go, I'm going to work here. Or, I mean, how was that hunt? Oh man. So yeah, on the surface of it, it, people don't really think of Minneapolis as being a tech hub compared to Austin, but there are quite a few tech jobs. If you dig deeper, maybe not as many as Austin. I'm not sure I can quite quantify that, but there, there are startups here and there's some uh, big companies that deal in, technology companies like Best Buy and Target are headquartered here. There's also Medtronic. Uh, so there's a bunch of interesting uh, larger companies here that, of course, do all sorts of stuff with technology and apps, which is, you know, I, I basically specialize in iOS development, iPhone, iPad apps. Uh, so there, there is stuff here. Um, the process 
was challenging though because I didn't really have many connections up here. I had you know I knew a few people, but not a whole lot in the iOS space. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> like if I was moving across, like cross country. Like I, I mean, Austin to Austin to Minneapolis isn't like a five hour drive. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's a pretty arduous drive. Um, it's kind of funny though. You can basically, if you wanted to, it's not efficient. If you wanted to, you could take I thirty five all the way up from Austin, Texas to Minneapolis, which is kind of amazing. Um, it'd probably take you 20 hours. But yeah, it was a tough process. It was actually pretty grueling. I applied at a lot of different companies and I got an awful lot of silence from a lot of these companies, which is always awful and a miserable experience. Do you think that that was because you were in Austin or, and they were like, oh, there's no way this person's moving or like, why, why would you think the silence? Uh, I think silence because it's pretty typical for companies to have kind of a crummy experience when you're trying to apply for the job and you don't know somebody there. Um, like I said, I, I knew a few people at different companies and I did get interviews that way. Um, but most of the companies I didn't. So I was basically going through the, uh, the website, you know, through the front door, you know, looking at their job listings and then going through the arduous pro uh, process of copying and pasting from my resume into a stupid web form and <laughs> hitting submit and then never hearing back again, necessarily. Uh, sometimes I did, but, uh, it was kind of, it's brutal. No, I, I absolutely bet that that would be uh, a little disheartening even, especially because, you know, for you, it's like, you're like, I, I need to make this move. I want to make this move. Um, and I mean, were you already up there before the process or were you still in Austin, like looking for work and then also trying to get hired at, you know, like, were you looking for work and also like looking for an apartment or a house or whatever? And, or was it like, I'm already here and now I have to make a life happen? Uh, it was more that I was still in Austin. I was coming back and forth to, uh, my partner, Jenny had already moved up here for an opportunity and I was going back and forth and trying, uh, attempting to make it work, uh, kind of, working remotely at my job in Austin, but that just wasn't really working out too well. Um, I, I thought it was going okay, but my employer didn't care for it. So it was pretty clear that I would have to find something up in Minneapolis. Uh, so I, I could basically uh, make the move little apparently and stop going back and forth between uh, the two cities. And you you were successfully able to do that. So that's that's kind of where I want to turn it to the kind of the second part of this conversation, which is how do people effectively do this? Like, how do you do this successfully? Because, you know, we've talked we've talked to people who are hiring in kind of the not rural, but the non Silicon Valley areas and. I mean, it's it's hard enough as it is when you're a business out there, but I can't even imagine, you know, the person that grew up in St. Paul or Minneapolis or 
you know, for me, like Knoxville, Tennessee, who are who are like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get a job as a developer. And they think about, you know, I want my family to I want to be near family. I want to be near loved ones. I don't want to have to pack up and move out to, you know, a place that's three times the cost of living of where I am now. Like, what are some of the things that you notice as you are actively helping people find jobs that that developers can do to greater their chances of getting hired, even if it means not going to Silicon Valley? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny because in retrospect, I just did this and I, I love talking about hiring and how to interview and all this stuff. But, you know, in retrospect... I probably could have done a better job because I, you know, maybe in retrospect, I shouldn't have spent so much time going through the front door, you know, filling out applications online. Uh, Cause realistically I should have kind of expected that that's not going to have necessarily the ideal results. It's far easier if you can find somebody who can introduce you to somebody who's already in one of these businesses and, you know, make, make a personal connection. Uh, you know, talk with somebody on the team that's hiring. Um, if you can do that, then that really improves your chances of actually, you know, getting on the phone with the hiring manager and, you know, getting to whatever the next step is. Knowing somebody helps so much because you just have a little bit more credibility. And, you know, there are a lot of kind of unqualified people who apply through, you know, the normal LinkedIn or whatever system they have to accept applicants. A lot of people just aren't qualified and most recruiters aren't honestly qualified to tell if people are qualified or not. So I think um, getting through that, that wall is, is, is a challenge and becomes a little bit of a numbers game. So if you can, if you know somebody somewhere, you can definitely sidestep that process a little bit and that helps. And I really should have done a better job of doing it, but I think, uh, it's such a stressful process. I, I kind of, I didn't think enough about it, if that makes sense. No, I, I think that that definitely makes sense. And, and as someone who has, you know, I've, I've worked a few jobs, a few different jobs in my life. And honestly, all of the jobs that I actually liked came from knowing someone that worked there and all the jobs that I was like, I need to get out of here, you know, as soon as possible. Those came from jobs that I didn't know anyone and I just like threw my hat in and put in an application and, you know, got accepted. Those were, those were the jobs that I didn't like. Whereas the person that, you know, when you know someone that's there, they can, they can tell you about, like, if you know them, you know, a little bit of the work culture, you know, a little bit about what is liked and not liked at the job. You, you can kind of have a gauge an idea based on what you know about the person but, you know, for you, like you said, you know, you did reach out to people that you knew and, and there was still a lot of nothing. So, I mean, like, there, what, what is it that companies can start doing better, I guess? Well, I think the first thing that companies can do better is to make sure that their recruiters, whether they're internal or external, are giving all the applicants a good experience. In my opinion, it's it's rude not to basically respond to every applicant, even if it's just to say, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody who has objective C experience. So we don't see that in your resume. So, you know, you're not a good fit. You know, we'll keep you 
uh, on our files or whatever for future applications, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's amazing they don't do that. Um, so many companies don't do that. Some companies will do that if you get to a certain point in the interview process. Uh, for instance, uh, I knew, uh, I've kind of fallen out of touch, but I knew a recruiter at Google and uh, interviewed at Google years ago for an iOS position. And, you know, I didn't get past the phone screen, but the recruiter is like, hey, you know, most people don't get into Google the first try. Don't worry about it. You know, uh, you know, apply again. If you see another opening that looks good to you, you know, apply again in a year. We'd still love to have you, you know, just try again. And I thought that was awesome. That's a great way to treat people, not like, you know, they're defective or not worthy of a response. It was really great. You know, I like what you said there. It's not like people are defective. You know, I, I and I think that that's something that when you are in the thick of trying to find a job, especially when there is a, a situation that's like, I need to do this and I need to do this soon because it is causing a strain. Like, you know, kind of like you said in your situation, you thought everything was going great, but, you know, your boss made it clear, like, okay, you're going to either have to stay in Austin or you're going to need to find new work. And that kind of puts a timer on things. And I can only imagine what, what you know, is going on in your mind, but let alone when you have someone who is, you know, a newlywed or someone who got, who was laid off from a previous position and they just because you get laid off doesn't mean that all of your responsibilities get laid off as well. Like you have to pay bills. So I can, I can only imagine how when people apply to a position and they hear nothing back, it, it is hard. It is really hard. And, and as a, as a business owner as well, like part of how my business continues to make money is we have to go out and we have to pitch to people. We have to grow, you know, gain leads and we have to, you know, follow up on those things. And it's, I would rather have a thousand people tell me no than have a thousand people just not tell me anything because that doesn't help me at all. That's, that's absolutely right. It's, I don't know, it's dehumanizing not to get a response when you're, you know, you're trying to, you're reaching out to make a connection to some company and you get nothing or you get a form letter back. It just feels like they, they don't care about you. Um, it's, it's really odd. It's like you're walking down the street and say hello to somebody and they, they just walk past you without acknowledging you. You know, one of the things that I, I think that companies also do, and I think you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. Like, don't just say, I'm sorry, but at the time, like you're, you're lacking something like be specific. I mean, and even if it's, even if it's a matter of saying, look, we had 3000 people apply for this position and we had to choose one. So this is what we specifically looked for. And you fell outside the parameters. I can do a lot more with that than I can do with, I'm sorry, uh, but at this moment, we're looking at going in a different direction. <laughs> like that's, you know, at least let me know. Cause, cause that's the thing that I see recruiters when they create these job opportunities, like when you go to their website, it'll, it, it sounds like someone, it, I mean, it literally looks like someone just threw a bunch of buzzwords 
into like a shotgun <laughs> shell and then just like shot at the wall and then whatever was still there like they just they just threw into a bunch of sentences they're like oh yes that's, so uh, let's go back to, to one thing you said earlier about the uh, oh we're changing what is it changing directions or uh yeah so, so we, yeah god that drives me nuts because i think one thing a lot of companies do is they they don't know actually what skills they want to hire for. And so they, they put out some job description that, you know, has just some stuff there, arbitrary stuff. They thought, ah, oh, this is probably what we want. And, but then really there's some hidden criteria that they have that they haven't laid out. And if they just put that in there, they could have basically saved everybody a lot of time. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, we want an iOS developer and, but then you actually interview them and you talk to them and it's like, Oh, we want somebody who does ha, has advanced open GL skills or, or whatever metal skills, I guess the more, more uh, modern thing. Um, so that, that drives me crazy. Cause I think a lot of cases that's, they just didn't think through what they actually needed and they didn't write it down. So everybody's time is wasted. And then going back to your gobbledygook on their, their uh, website for the career thing, that drives me nuts too. Because people who are looking for a job, they really don't care if you're doing, you know, advanced machine learning, blockchain, whatever's like, they, you know, they don't need 12 paragraphs about that. They want to know, why would I enjoy working here? Is it a fit for my skills? How are you different from other companies? Those are the key things you want to know. Um, you don't really need to, like, I'm not buying your product. I'm signing up for a career here. So yes, I, I want to know about what you do, but I can figure that out on your marketing pages for the job. I need to know why, why you're different from Google or Microsoft or any of these other companies out there. So I, I love what you just said there. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying your product. I'm, I'm trying to like advance my career here. I think that that is something that companies like the tech industry were bad about that because it's easy to think that that like a Twitter or a, a Google or Apple like, yeah, we probably buy their products like we, we know what I like. I bought a Google product and tomorrow I'll probably have to buy an Apple product <laughs> like literally these things actually did happen today and I purchased one of them on Amazon. So like, yes, I am consuming their product, but not every company is like that. I am not in the market to buy a mouthpiece that tracks, you know, head, you know, any type of head trauma anytime <laughs> soon. Like I, I, I don't play hockey. I don't play football. Like maybe, maybe when, the music is too loud and I'm headbanging or something maybe, but like I just can't find a good reason for me to be in that market. But at the same time, the company itself sounds phenomenal. Like it sounds like an absolute wonderful place to work. They're working on a project that although it doesn't impact me directly, I want to see succeed because I've seen what happens to people who are, you know, victims of, of CTE. And I've seen what CTE can do to people um, up to the point that literally they can, they can wind up killing themselves or hurting others. And I think it's an important thing. And I would love to help progress that. 
but at the same time, I'm not buying that product. So you have to convince me, like, why is it that I want to work for this company? Why is it that I want to be a member of this team? And I think that more companies, one of the one of the best companies that I have ever applied to, I think I've applied twice and I didn't get um, hired either time, was Buffer. And Buffer does social, for those that don't know, Buffer does like social media management, like you can control how, when and where you send tweets and Facebook posts and things like that. And the reason why it was important to me that like I at least apply, like I, I applied for a job that I was overqualified for. And I applied not because of the job or the role, but because of their company policy, their company culture, their thoughts on remote work, which was something that was important to me, and how the team itself carries itself in the public and to the public eye. Like, how is the company viewed? Everybody that I've ever talked to from the company has, it's always been a very positive experience. And I was willing to take a pay cut. I was willing to relocate. I was like, I was willing, I, like, I knew I could climb up into like the position that I wanted to be in. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. And I think by telling that story, companies have a better chance of finding people who are not only qualified, but actually fit their company culture and actually will work not just in the, the present, but they will work long into the future for that company. Yeah, what you just said nailed it. I think that just nails it because people, when they're talking about recruiting and hiring people, they they tend to not think about the fact that the public presence for a company has a huge impact on whether people want to work there or or not. Um, I mean, there's like you, there's probably um, you know a handful of companies that if that company said, hey, John, we want you to interview here. I would probably drop everything and like be like, well, what the heck? Like, I I know people there. I've heard people from there speak. I kind of know their, you know, what they stand for. Heck yeah, I'm going to interview there. No matter what else is happening in my life, I'll probably go out of my way to interview there. Like, you know, if, if someplace like Pixar wanted to hire me, yeah, I'm going to interview at Pixar because that's that's an amazing company with amazing product and you know i read um creativity inc and i thought that was an incredible book like wow what a cool company i would definitely drop everything because they have this amazing public image they they share things kind of about the internal workings of their company so um you feel like you know what you're gonna kind of get from the experience working there but so many other places well it's just back to this the same marketing they give to their customers um, which may not resonate with employees unless they're actually using the product. You know, one of the things that, that you did mention that I really liked about that too is, you know, you said they, they actually promoted themselves in the company, like light in the company picture. They, they show what it's like to be a member of the team. That is something that I think companies like, I don't know if they just stopped doing or, or what, but 
there there was this this big like mystery around what happened at Apple. Like everything in Apple was like behind this gigantic like steel wall. And I, I keep bringing up Apple. I don't know why. It's probably because I'm recording on with a bunch of Apple products right now. Sorry, but <laughs> the the idea of like I couldn't tell you whether or not I wanted to work at Apple or not. Honestly, from what I've heard, I have no desire to work at Apple. There's like you can't blog, <laughs> like you can't there's a lot of stuff that you are just not allowed to do as an employee for Apple, and it's all because of a level of secrecy within the company. Now, that has lightened a little bit in the last few years, but it's still a very present thing. And I think that to be considered, I mean, obviously, everybody would love the idea of like, oh, yeah, I work for Apple, you know, I get a discount on everything. Well, that would be super awesome. But more than anything, like, the pe- you want your people talking about how awesome your company is. Like, you want people, like, my, <laughs> my, my little business that it is, like, it is myself, my wife, and um, our first partner in, in the UK, and... It was funny because I I was already tweeting about like, you know, our company has an unlimited time off policy. We're we're a results driven business, not a time driven business. So whether you work two hours a day or 10 hours a day, we have set goals that we want to accomplish. And if you accomplish those goals, we don't care how long it takes. And people were like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Now, granted, we're, we're also kind of a startup, so and we're very, very lean, so we're able to do that. Um, everybody is at the founder level, which means you don't get a paycheck. You're just trying to make money. Um, but <laughs> at the same time, it's important that we set those policies now so that in the future, we can still live by those policies. We can't say like, we want everybody here at 9 a.m. and you have to be gone by 5. No, like, that's horrible. Like, we want you to come in, do the job that you were getting paid to do, no matter how long it takes you to do it. And if you choose to do more, then absolutely awesome. Now, if if we feel like you have the ability to do more, then you should be rewarded for doing more. We should be paid more for doing more. And these are all beliefs that I have. And as a business owner, I have the ability to enforce those beliefs, but no one's going to know about J and J media. If you know, just off of our SEO, I mean, I can tell you now our SEO is garbage, but that's just because we're just starting. Like we just got the website up. So it's, it's a very understandable thing, but starting from day one, doing the right things, saying the things that you mean, showing what your culture looks like, doing all of that from day one, that way it doesn't have to be hard to find employees. Yeah, that's absolutely right. If, if you actually want to, well, if you want to have any culture, you basically need to start defining that with your, your very first hire. Because if you just do the default, you're just going to end up with something that's that's arbitrary. Um, you're not going to be in control of that culture. So yeah, I agree with that completely. And the bonus is, as you communicate these things to the external world, you'll get feedback, maybe you'll have debates, but people actually know who you are as an employer and, and what you want and that you actually care about uh, you know, your employee's experience, which there are so many companies that really 
don't care at all about their employees' experience. They just, you know, kind of emulate other companies and, you know, say it's wonderful and great and dynamic and agile and all these words that are kind of hollow. <laughs> if, if a company puts agile in its, like, top-level factors, then then just don't. <laughs> just, just don't hire. Just go to the next company. That's... <laughs> I think uh, if, yeah. if if a company tells me like we're a we're a lean agile, you know, company that's focused on synergy and like no 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 I'm I'm out <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but you get that though like it 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 happens so much and then this isn't designed to be a roast on companies it's it's designed to be like critical feedback, of you see like a, a careers page and on the careers page it's always like. A company photo, like a company portrait of everyone, you know, in front of their building and then some people playing ping pong. And it's like, as fun as that looks, I'm sure that happens once a year at the company picnic. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's not a weekly ping pong tournament. And, and, and I mean, it's it's like these things. I want to see what the day to day looks like. And, and honestly, every interview that I've sat in on when. They ask, they'll, they'll ask you, they're like, do you have any questions for us? And I say, yes, yes, I do. I have a ton of questions for you. And I, I look at the person at the lowest level because normally they'll have like the, they'll have the, like, not the executive level, but like the manager's manager, your, you know, who your person would be. And then maybe one of, you know, a, a colleague or someone at, at the equal level of where you're working. And I always go to the person at the lowest level and say, what if you could describe what your day to day is, you know, what, what does your day look like? What are you doing? What tools are you using? Because I want to know, like, I want to know what it's going to be like from the day to day level, not from the, Oh, well, you know, as, as the president of the company, you know, we make sure that all of our employees are happy. No, the, the, of course you, you want to say that, but if if the person that's sitting there next to you that's going to be your colleague, the person that you're going to rely on on a day to day, if they can't accurately and honestly tell you, like, oh, my my cat decided to jump up on the table. <laughs> hey, can can you move? Can, can can you move, please? Can you? No, can my you? cat. I I can't move. I'm, no, I'm here no, for the purpose. <laughs> well, just either stand still or do you know you're you're fine. But yeah, like if, if that person can't tell me like what <laughs> what their day to day is because of the people that are around them, that's already a red flag. Like I I if I feel like they're have they have to lie about what their day to day is because of their boss sitting right next to them, like that is a company that I don't want to work for. Yeah, that is definitely that's a that's a big red flag. Because yeah, one, it shows that yeah, the day to day experience is probably not great. And two, there's kind of a uh, messed up power dynamic here where you get in trouble if you say, you know, say something critical in front of your boss. And that's not a comfortable place to work, in my opinion. Um, your mileage may vary. But yeah, to what you said, I think, I believe very strongly that the most important factors for your enjoyment of job are one, who is your manager? So if you're interviewing for a job, you better be sure to interview your manager. Ask them serious questions, just like you said. You know, what is the day-to-day -day like? How much time am I going to spend in meetings? That's a critical one for me because I don't, I don't want to spend, you know, eight hours a week in, 
in meetings. That's crazy. 20% of my week is going to go into meetings. No way. I don't want to work there. Um, unless you have very fun meetings. Uh, and, uh, oh, another thing I want to know is, uh, you know, I'm an iOS developer. I want to know, do you send people on your team to WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference or not? And, you know, if they don't, then I'm going to kind of question, you know, what kind of uh, career path you could possibly have this company that won't send you to basically the developer conference for, you know, your career, your profession. So, yeah, it's definitely absolutely critical to figure out uh, who your manager is. And like you said, ask the other employees. Um, oftentimes in your interview process, you'll be alone with somebody who might be your future colleague. So that's a good person to ask, how do you like your manager? And you just, you know, I recommend that you use some negotiation te techniques and you ask a question and you just shut your mouth and give the guy time, plenty of time to answer, uh, to get, you know, try to learn as much as you can about the boss. And like you said, ask them about tools. You know, are they going to buy me licenses to sketch or whatever tool I need to do my job? Um, you know, how many hours am I spending? You need to ask all these questions, things that are important to you. So you have to know kind of what is important to you. But uh, yeah, you're interviewing the company you're working for. And, and I think that that's something that people tend to forget that an interview goes both ways. And, and you really are interviewing, you know, the, the company as well, because if the company is not willing to invest in its employees, the company will lose its employees. And, and that happens a lot. Hey, what happened to the last guy that had this position? <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> now they may not be able to divulge a lot of the stuff, but would you say, you know, hey, did they move into a, you know, did they move into a management position? Did they, um, did they go somewhere else? Did you know? Like, I can tell you now, like the last, the last IT job that I held, you know, I took the job from someone who got a job as a manager up in Silicon Valley. So it was like, hey, this, this position's been empty for some time. Okay, why was it empty for so long? Why didn't you in, you know, hire internally? Was is there an option to to promote internally? Is that a big thing that happens here? <laughs> you know. And and it's not necessarily you don't you don't, you want to do it tactfully. You don't want to do it like you're you know, in your mind you've already made up like I don't want to work here. But at the same time, you need to ask some of the difficult questions. And the way that I see it, I want to hire someone on my team that is going to ask me difficult questions. I want to hire someone on my team that isn't afraid to let me know that, hey, they don't like this idea. They don't certain things they don't like and certain things they don't agree with. Like, I think that that is more powerful than having someone on your team who is what we would call a yes man. Someone who just says, oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll do that thing. Like, no, if it's a bad idea, tell me it's a bad idea. I might say do it anyway because I'm the boss, but, you know, then we have another issue. But at the same time, I would rather you tell me that it's a bad idea and here's why than to tell me, yes, sir, and then start doing it. And then when it was a bad idea, come back and go, oh, well, I, I kind of knew that this was going to happen. Well, then why didn't you say something, dummy? <laughs> not to yes. be not to be mean about it, but the the idea of not being vocal so many people get angry about the company that they work for because of things that the company does. But just like you would tell someone that you're dating, if they do something that you don't like, you tell them, hey, I don't like that thing that you're doing. Because if you don't tell them, they don't know that they're doing it. So if you at least bring it up, <laughs> then 
you have an opportunity to to correct and again that that might be an unpopular opinion but that's the opinion that i have and i mean it's worked out for me that's right there's of course a small risk that if you kind of you know challenge somebody who's interviewing you that they they won't like it and they won't want to hire you there's always that risk but you know we're professionals we're both professionals allegedly um and yeah i mean we you should be allowed to to challenge each other and ask questions that are pertinent to your profession and career it's really critically important that uh you know unless you're happy being entirely passive at work it's important to make sure that um your boss your future boss will respect your your boundaries and be willing to listen to your feedback because if not it's probably not going to work out for you anyhow of course you might really really need a job and and that's fine too we all understand that but i do think that it's a it's a sign that you're a competent professional when you you um you're at an interview and you kind of ask the the person interviewing you some some tough questions i think when i'm interviewing somebody and they ask me tough questions i always try to answer as honestly as i can and i respect them more for it because it shows that they have real experience in a job and they've kind of seen what what works and what doesn't work for them um i think it's it's really great for them to kind of know the unvarnished truth about the job so you know they can make a good decision and if they do come to work with me that they'll you know they'll like it and they'll stick around for the long term hopefully cuz they knew what they're getting into I absolutely love that and and that's a that's a good point to to start wrapping it up on so before we jump into the after show which by the way if you're not a, a you know everyone listening if you're not a member of the after show crew that means you're not getting the after show where uh, we're going to turn the tables and and John's going to ask me some questions um I would highly suggest you do that and you can do that one of a few ways and uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later um so stay tuned but John before we wrap up if there was one piece of advice that you could give to someone who had an interview tomorrow someone that's interviewing for a tech position tomorrow what would that piece of advice be Well that's the one thing that's that's tough to nail down but I, I I'll say that probably the number one thing is basically what we've just been discussing is be sure to have a, a list of good questions that you're able to ask the people interviewing you like maybe even rehearse those questions and they don't have to be super sophisticated but you should, should definitely have them um it's really sad but a lot of times you'll run into basically an incompetent interviewer who will go through your resume and ask you like 5 minutes worth of questions for an hour slot and um so you just sit there awkwardly looking staring at each other unless you have some some questions or something to have a discussion with them about and i i think it's really important that uh in any tech interview any kind of interview that with everybody you talk to you try to have a discussion that is a little bit outside of the interview zone if that makes sense you want to try to make a little bit more of a connection with them so you know if they ask you a difficult technical question um answer the question but you know maybe after you answer it you ask them a little bit how maybe how they would approach it or 
ask them, oh, well, how do you think, what do you think about this kind of approach versus this kind of approach? Um, sometimes I even do that in the middle of answering the questions like, well, I could do this two different ways. Do you think it's more important to, you know, for instance, have speed uh, of execution for this problem? Or do you think it's more important to have clarity and readability in the code? Um, are you at all concerned about stability, et cetera? So I think I really encourage everybody to try to make a little bit more of a connection in the tech interview and, you know, keep it, maybe keep it professional, but have something to talk about that's not just whatever list of questions that they're bringing along. I love that. John, if you had, uh, if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Uh, so probably the best way is to contact me on Twitter. Um, my personal handle is wind addict as in addicted to wind. And, uh, if it, if you're interested at all in, uh, iOS careers, then you can follow me at Hire an App Dev on Twitter. Hey, hey, I hope you liked the conversation that I had with John. And if you did, like I said, if we missed something, let me know over on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech. And if you liked it, here's the thing. If you reach out to someone and say, hey, this is a great episode, you should totally check it out, that is helping us. If you leave us a review on iTunes and tell us about it and say, hey, you know, this is a great show, you should totally check out episode with John, he did great, that is helping us. If you decide that you do want to give us a couple of dollars and you go to our Ko-Fi page, that is co-fi.com slash jnjmedia, you're not only helping us, but you're helping all of the other podcasts on the J&J Media Network. That is Ask a Brit, the .NET Core Show, um, Devataku, Waffling Taylor, so many shows that all rely on you, the listener, getting the word out and telling others about it. So there's going to be a link in the show notes that says click here to contribute. It's going to take you to that Ko-Fi page. But again, if you don't want to give a dollar, I understand because times are tough, but we would definitely love it if you at least tell a friend of yours to check out the show and take them to the website, share the page, and show us that you did that, and we will give you access to the after show. What is the after show, you say? Well, that is where my friend John interviews me, and if you didn't know, John has a great track record in iOS development. He actually worked on a lot of really cool productivity apps in the past, and we dig into that. And we also talk a little bit about um, the new company, productivity and tech as a whole, and how we are helping one another. But in order to do that, like I said, you got to share it. You got to tell us that you shared it. And then we will reach out to you and get that information to you. And if we don't, you can have full permission to come and yell at us on Twitter at prod underscore in underscore tech. And we will do the right thing by you. Thank you to Nadir Omawale for the use of his song, A Hustler in Spider Myself for the intro and outro music. And of course, I have been your host, Jay Miller. And for the Productivity in Tech podcast, I hope we have been productive. Until next week, I'll talk to you later.